0: Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray you enjoy the teaching of God's Word. May the Holy Spirit encourage, exhort, and comfort you. We invite you to come and see what the Lord is doing at Northgate. Come and grow with us. May you be blessed by the God of hope. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your love. Uh, We're here to worship you. We're here to hear from you. And Lord, we need your Holy Spirit, so we pray, God, that you would come and speak to us this morning. We pray for some men at solely Business, that you will bless them. Lord, that you will speak to them, that your Spirit would be working there. We pray for the other churches in town as well. Thank you for the prayer night last week. Thank you for the unity that we have amongst the churches. Any church that proclaims your name and teaches your word in Lanark County, we pray favor and blessing upon this morning. We know, Lord, we all have different stories and there are those who've had good weeks, bad weeks, good months, bad months, and life is very difficult. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring comfort and strength and peace where we have none. Jesus, would you radically show us your love when we feel none? May we know your truth when we can't feel truth. May we believe and know truth. Lord God, even as the midweek just had this thought this morning as well, would you give us endurance and perseverance to live the right way. God, you are so faithful. You're so good. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible, the book of Ephesians this morning, we're finished with wisdom literature. And last spring, you might remember, we finished off in the book of Galatians. So you say, why are we doing the book of Ephesians? Well, pretty simply, we're just following what we did last. There's great joy in just teaching through God's Word. Amen? We cannot pick the topic. And so whatever is there, we're going to try and work with and pray that the Holy Spirit works in our life. I personally love the book of Ephesians, so this wasn't a hard one. It's not like... Uh, Oh, no, I have to teach that. It was like, oh, yes, God has blessed me to be able to teach this a few times. And I remember, just memory's sake, 18 years ago when I came to Canada, I was asked at Silver Lake to be the Bible teacher, and they asked me to teach the book of Ephesians. And some of those thoughts still hang in my mind today, because God's word never comes back void. It will always produce fruit. But before we get into the book of Ephesians, in terms of exactly what it says in chapter one, let's look at a little bit of history. And by the way, we're always looking at God's words to how we can apply it to our lives, how we can speak to us today. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul when he was in prison, this town of Ephesus, He founded a church there, Paul did, on his second missionary journey. So you might be even fresh to any of this, but Paul, a great apostle in the Bible, he went around planting churches. He went to this city, which was a port city, a large city called Ephesus. And when he arrived there, he met 12 people. So let's put this in story context. He was in Corinth before, which was another city. And he, he knew someone from Ephesus with the name Apollos. Now, Apollos was a great orator, the Bible tells us. But Apollos didn't uh, know the whole story, I'll put it that way. He knew half the story and he was zealous for Jesus, but he only knew half the story, let's put it that way. He knew about John's baptism. He didn't know the complete story of Jesus. And the baptism of the Spirit, Jesus in our lives, the empowering. And so Paul went there and he meets these 12 guys and Apollos was there before. And interesting enough, the first question he asked them, he says this, when you are baptized, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, these 12 guys only knew of John's baptism. And just for... A little context. John's baptism. John said you have to repent. You have to repent. You have to turn. You have to repent. And that was his story because Jesus is coming. And here, Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they only know repent and do what's right. They don't know the power of the Holy Spirit or anything. uh, The Holy Spirit coming to live within us. And they say, no, we do not know anything We haven't been told that. So in Acts chapter 19, where this story is, as Paul is coming into Ephesus and he meets these 12 people, he says these things, they say no, and then he baptizes them, not in John's baptism, but he baptizes them in the name of Jesus, and he prays that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And amazing things happen with those Twelve fellas. It says, unusual and wonderful miracles happened in Ephesus. After that moment, Paul goes to the Jews for a while. They reject the message. Paul goes to the Gentiles. They are teaching as well in the school of Tyrannius, or trying to convince people that Jesus is true. And Paul actually spends three years there. But what is crazy, because the Holy Spirit is working, is that there is a revival. Probably in the New Testament, you think of Ephesus, like the work God did in Ephesus is at the top of the list. And how do we know that? It's because people were turning from their sin. They had a great book burn of all the garbage. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of false religion were being done away with people's lives were being changed. And one of the silversmiths, so he would make these little idol things to Diana, this goddess that they worshiped there. He was going out of business because people weren't buying it anymore because they were turning to Jesus. And by the way, any revival, any great work of God, what we're going to see is confession and repentance and people turning from their sin. Amen. we don't want to say, oh, they're just turning from their sin to turn to the sin because they're becoming healthy. Amen. And that's what's happening in Ephesus. And there becomes a brew, like a brouhaha. They get upset because they're losing money. They go after Paul and then later he has to leave. Not only is a church of Ephesus, we see this mighty revival, but we can track it through the New Testament in many books. Not only here in this uh, idea of Paul sending this letter, But Paul sends another letter to his protege, Timothy, who is the pastor in Ephesus later. And then, of course, we know in Revelation when Jesus writes to the churches, his first little letter is to the church of Ephesus. So we can kind of track it. Acts 19, Paul's letter from prison back later to Ephesus, what he wants them to know. Then Timothy, again, instructing that church there. And then in the book of Revelation. So a lot of information to this growing church. But it's really interesting. We could say, oh, some people say, well, that's just for that church. But as we read these first two lines, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Early manuscripts don't even say in Ephesus, and some believe this was a circular letter to all churches. But the idea is, even if we read that first verse, the second part, this letter is to any who are faithful in Christ Jesus. It is to us who are saints. And you might say to me, I'm not a saint. What are you talking about? Well, you don't know your Bible. Actually... All of you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saints. Now we get tradition of the church and we think because of the Catholic Church, and I'm not saying anything bad about the Catholic Church, but they have a things you have to accomplish to be a saint, right? Maybe St. John or... Saint Teresa, and you have to perform miracles and do this, and then you can be sainthood. And you know what? We have childhood jokes, and we say to each other, oh, you're the saint of the family, right? You just think you're a saint, and I'm a sinner. And sometimes we as people think, well, I'm just a sinner, I'm no good. But if you understand what Jesus has done for you, he has removed your sin The Holy Spirit has come to live in you. You are righteous because of his work. Thus, you are a saint. Amen? And that's why he says, in other translations, if you're like, well, what what do you mean saint? It says this, in the New Living Translation, it says, to the holy ones. Now, we've added, or some manuscripts in Ephesus, but we can say to holy ones, to those who believe in Jesus, faithful in Christ Jesus. Now remember, Christ is a title like Messiah, the one, Jesus, the name. So, we have Paul, little context, who he's writing to, this church that had revival years later, and he wants to remind them of things. One other note, a lot of these little letters, Ephesians, Galatians, Paul wrote to churches. And some of them are very corrective. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Like First Corinthians, right? Philippians has a little correction. Ephesians, there's none of that. There's none of that. It's just solid truth that we need to know. By the way, this book they call is the pinnacle of the epistles. A lot of people, the piece de resistance. (laughs) If you're going to read any of them, read this one because it's Amazing, And you'll be encouraged. Those of you who know Watchman Nee, he wrote an amazing book called Sit, Walk, Stand from this that has affected many, many people. When Paul usually writes a little letter just to get you know, he starts with the foundational base of who we are in Christ and then he gets to application. And it's no different in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. He's going to tell us who we are and what we're blessed with. Amen? You following me? Okay, good. Okay, so grace to you in verse two, because we know who's writing. We know he's an apostle, the will of God. We know who he's writing to, this little letter. And he starts with his standard greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I've always been taught, and I'll tell you today, there is no peace until you know grace. You can't have peace in your life until you know the truth of God's love and forgiveness and you can try and find it in any way. So the blessing is grace. No grace. You'll have peace. And it's all in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing In the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. and which are on earth in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I've had the joy of not teaching much lately, the joy of doing it with Amy a couple of weeks ago, Doug and then Caleb before. But sometimes when someone reads the Bible, to be honest, and you're sitting out there, you're like, what was that? That was a lot of words, right? All right, let's break it down, break it down, right? We want it to come alive to us today, right? Like, what do all those words mean? So, (laughs) I was talking to someone today, like, it just seems like an essay. I just want the truth, a story, or something, right? But, oh, these words... These words are amazing. Okay, have you ever said, "I want to be blessed"? Hachu, bless you. Have you ever done that? Father Dan, no, I'm not a father. Bless you, bless you, child. Right? Like blessings on you, we say. Sometimes some people sign an email, "Be blessed." Now, what do we think of when we think of blessings here in North America? I'll tell you what we think of blessings. Maybe you're more mature. Than most, But when we think of blessings, oh, you got a new car, you're so blessed. Oh, you had a sunny day for your daughter's wedding, you're so blessed, right? Oh, you fill in the blank, your kids aren't fighting each other, you're blessed. You have enough money to live, you're blessed. You got a big Christmas present, you're blessed. You might think you're good-looking, you're blessed. You might be athletic, you think you're blessed. You might be smart, you think you're blessed, you're blessed. He's not talking about physical blessings here. Hello! Let's get into the story. There is something much deeper and better than the way we define blessings that God wants us to know and has for us. And I will touch on this in a minute. But he says, you have all spiritual blessings where? Not on earth. In heavenly places. Ooh, what does that mean? Because when we say blessings, we think physical. But there is so much more that is so much better. So let's talk about some of these blessings because he says we have all. By the way, he doesn't say you have some. He says you have all of these in the heavenly places and very important, which I will reiterate again and again, in Christ. Or, if you go through this thing and you'll read, in him, through him, in him, through him. Not once, twice, three, four, keep going. In him, through him, in him. Who's he talking about? In Jesus. Okay? Well, what are some of these things? And I was just looking at the character of God, because here's what we have in Jesus, and here's the character of God that shows us these things. It says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Whoa! Before you get worried and we get an argument, Calvinism, Arminianism, blah, 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 blah. Just think this. God is outside time. Okay? And that will solve a lot of the equation for you. God's not like gonna be surprised, like, oh, that person's in heaven, woohoo! I didn't realize. He is outside of time. He knows beginning and he knows like what's happening, and then bloop. He knows eternity. But most importantly, it says he chose us. He chose you. Now, hmm. You say, well, that's great. What does that mean? Uh. I woke up this morning and I said to Amy. You've been chosen since the beginning of time to be God's child. You ever been on the playground and you're picking teams? And maybe you get picked at the start, you're playing kickball, you're in third grade, right? You got a big foot. And you know you're going to be picked first. What does that make you feel like? I'm feeling pretty good when you're in third grade. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, pretty good, right? But what about those sometimes if, I don't know, I think in my life, if they were doing like an art class and they were choosing up for a project? I'm telling you something, I'd be at the end of the line. Me and my stick figure drawings. How do you think I feel? How do you think you feel when you're at the very end? I guess the question is not how you feel at the end, but this is telling us that God chose you at the beginning. That you are chosen by God. He loves you. Amazing! He's picking up teams. Guess what? First choice is you. And you say, well, what about everyone else in this room? Don't worry about them. The theology is he chose you to be on his team. And that is absolutely amazing that you would be holy before him without blame. Why? Because of his love. In love, he chose you. Oh, man. I love it when people choose me. And you know what? Just be honest. It makes you feel really loved. It makes you care for it. It makes you think that you're valuable. It makes you think that you mean something. It makes you think that you have purpose. Even in your failure and your sin, God chose you in his love through Jesus Christ. And we can stop there with the blessings today because you should leave very encouraged. No matter the trash of life, which happens to all of us, you are not rejected. You are chosen. He also, predestined outside of time, chose, determined to adopt... You as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. It says, according, verse 5, to the good pleasure of his will. You are a child of God. Do you know, most families, when they adopt a child, the adopted child has the same right as the natural child. And isn't it amazing in some families where we see there's adopted children and we don't know at all the difference because they're all children, they're all loved, they're all siblings, and you would have no clue, but that adopted one at that early age is treated no differently than the natural child. God has adopted you Even before. Again, He chose you. He adopted you. You are a child of God. And if you're a child of God, you have access as a child to the Father. you understand that? This is beyond this earth. Let me tell you, this is not a little essay. This is real-life application in the heavenly places that can change you if you understand... And not only, he wasn't like, oh, you know, I'll choose and adopt them. They seem lonely. The crazy words that are here. It was the good pleasure of his will. He wanted to. It gave him pleasure to adopt you. To adopt you. Wow. Isn't that to the praise and glory of his grace? Again, number six, let's carry on with these amazing blessings. In verse six, that you are accepted in the beloved. (laughs) We can just stop right there. I know I'm saying this after every verse, but just take that little phrase and apply it to your life. And if you feel rejected today, he says you are accepted in the beloved. Repeat that in your mind again and again, because all of us in life are going to face rejection. And, you know, when I do counseling, one of the big things is going back in life and facing the lie people have felt from rejection. And the person who rejected them might not even have meant it. But then the devil lies to you about your self-worth. You understand that and then you medicate with behavior to try to get accepted through your effort. But the reality of the scripture is no. As you trust in the Lord, he says you are accepted. You are not rejected in his love or another way. You are beloved. Any of you facing any form of rejection in your life? Maybe your marriage, maybe your parents. Maybe at work, you feel you're not good enough. You didn't meet the standard. You can't climb the hill. (laughs) I have this memory that I've been dealing with. And it's so silly that my friends left me to do something when I was 10 years old. And that little piece of rejection has been with me my whole life. And Satan bends and twists it to lie to me. But God says, no. You are accepted. No matter the future rejection of people, the Creator of the universe accepts me, and I am beloved. (sighs) Anyways, that's why Daniel says, Beloved Daniel, remember, that's my verse, baby! If you're mad at me, it's okay because I am accepted in the beloved and I will fail and I will sin. But it doesn't change the fact that I am accepted because of Jesus and the work on the cross. Well, let's continue on. You've been redeemed and I have a whole story for that, but we're running out of time. The idea is you have to Jesus paid something to get you back. You're so valuable. Actually, he gave his life. That's how much worth you have. You're redeemed. You were bought back. You were going astray. There was a price to pay. He gave his life. He bought you back. That's the word redemption. That's for another sermon. Forgiveness of sins. If you are living in shame... And condemnation, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to know in heavenly places, you are forgiven of your sins. According, I love this, this is the character of God, to the riches of His grace. Grace, God's unmerited favor. You know, sometimes we're stingy, you know that? Child, can I borrow ten bucks? (laughs) Okay. We're stingy people. Do you know that? We want, we want because we have needs, and we're stingy. God's not stingy, and He's not stingy with His love, and He's not stingy with His grace. It's the richness, the overflow. Some translations of His grace to you. His unmerited favor, no matter what you do, Jesus is there and His forgiveness and the riches of His grace. I was with my cousin all week from Germany and we had some pretty deep conversations. And I was walking in the hall and he stopped me and he said this to me, my life changed when I came to understand the grace of God. He grew up in church his whole life. He looked me in the eye. My life changed. It is not a works-related gospel that you earn anything. It's the acceptance of God's grace and the richness that you can't strive and earn, but you receive and know who He is and what He's giving you. Is your life changed? Are you still fighting, battling, striving to be good enough? Just if I can be a bit different. Well, you don't know your spiritual blessings. Praise God for the richness of His grace, which He made to abound towards us, us, me and you, the faithful in Christ, the saints, which He made abound to us having made known the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure. Again, this idea of His pleasure revealing what He purposed in Christ and what God's heart was towards us in sending Jesus. That in the dispensation or the fullness of time, as things continue, that He will bring all things together in Christ. Here's how it works. Gentile, Jew, remember who he's speaking to. Different personalities, different nationalities. He brings us together in Him because we're all in need of this amazing blessing and we're all blessed the same way and we are all one family. You get it? No one's better than the other. We're all loved the same. We're all at the top of the list. I know it's kind of hard hard to understand. Look at all the division and dissension And we're better than you or our culture is this or that. Can you imagine if we treat people the way we've been treated? That we forgive people the way we've been forgiven? That's what he's saying. That's the purpose, the mystery that he's bringing all things together in Christ, in him. And you've obtained an inheritance, again, predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. What is the only thing you have to do in verse 12 to receive all these blessings? What's the only thing you have to do? In Him you first trusted in Christ. You have to believe. You have to trust. That's it. And all of this in your belief in him is yours. And as you believe, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesus was a a, like a shipping city. And so on the boxes, I'm sure commentators tell us, if it was your business, the seal goes on it. Name of the company. And that's the Holy Spirit in us as you believe in Jesus Christ. You are, bam, sealed. You are God's. You are His property and He will not let you go. And He cares about what He has and you are His. And He loves it. And He seals you with the Holy Spirit. Not only a stamp, but alive! Think of an engagement ring, your spouse and your, your part. Oh boy, this is like, I am the Lord's. And His love, His guarantee, His promise is the Holy Spirit. Think of the ring around your heart. Aren't you glad He's not going to let you go? Aren't you glad He's the great finisher and has given you the Holy Spirit to conquer the lies of this world? And these are amazing blessings as we look at them. We have this amazing inheritance coming and we are His possession to His praise. This is beautiful. (laughs) Okay. In the original Greek, this was one long sentence because Paul was so excited. Commentators say, that's a long sentence. We're going to close here, but I just have two points that I quickly want to tell you. I mentioned it before, but you have all blessings in heavenly places. And I want to tell you this morning, that's an amazing statement. Years ago, I read a book called The Heavenly Man. Anyone read that book? It's about a Chinese missionary. But he understood who he was in Christ. He was changed by the love of Christ. And when he understood and lived in that place in his mind and his heart, his physical behavior changed. The fruit of his life was powerful because he believed and lived who he was. And it's the same in your life. If you truly understand that you are sitting in heavenly places, chapter 2. You can't live in your mind in this world, in who you think you are or you're not, but you have to go and dwell in the place where Christ has taken you through the work of Jesus to know who you are and your behavior will change. If you try to change it on your own, you have no chance. But like the heavenly man, that Chinese missionary, when it was so real and he understood who he was with God. And I've told you before, I believe Ephesians is a book that it really, yeah, it's, oh, it's, there's so much of the spiritual realm in the book of Ephesians. Read chapter six, the armor of God. Remember that? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. That's where he ends. A whole chapter about that. And he says, what do you have to do? You have to put on the armor of God, right? Well, what's the armor of God? The blessings you have. The truth, the righteousness, the salvation, the peace. And in that, you have the power to defeat the enemy. But if you try to fight with your own strength, you will lose. I gotta be more disciplined. I gotta work harder. Yes, certainly. But that will not help you until you understand the truth of this run-on sentence. And we have to remind ourselves daily and we have to, and here it is, live in the spirit. The knowledge of the spiritual. Okay, Ephesians back to Acts 19. When did everything change? When they were baptized, jesus and they understood and were prayed for that the holy spirit would come in them and the spirit teaches us the things of god the spirit always speaks of jesus he takes us to those heavenly places to the truth of the blessings To the truth of what God has done, bypassing what we can't believe to be true, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Christ has done, and we have then all authority to know truth, and then we can live in truth. Like my cousin, this will change your life. But it can't be here. It's here. Knowing in the power of the Holy Spirit in these heavenly places and you will be different. You're called to live in authority. Do you hear me? You're called to live in victory. You're called to live in truth. You're called to understand who you are in Christ because of the work he has done in him. In him. In Jesus. And life stinks and is hard. But if we can take ourselves, our spirit, in our mind to the truth, we will be different. So, just to knock this home, Revelation, Church of Ephesus, Jesus comes. I know you're scholars here. What was the rebuke to the church in Ephesus? You have lost what? You've lost your first love, right? Right? So, Revelation, seven churches, Jesus writes a letter through the prayer of the Holy Spirit. Here you have Ephesus, great revival, Holy Spirit doing great things, reminded who they are in Christ, practically how they're going to live in the book. Timothy has a few things to correct in them. Then we get to Revelation, time gone by, and you know what it says? They'd lost their first love. But it also says, hey guys, you're defending truth, you're doing what's right, but you got the wrong motivation. You have lost it. The first bloom, the first flower. You have forgotten. And you know what? <laughs> oh, this happens, uh, I think, to all of us sometimes. But so I don't need to know God's love. Um, <clears throat> I know it in my mind. I don't need to know more. I know it in my heart. I felt that I'm good. <laughs> if it could happen in Ephesus where they lost their first love, do you really think that it couldn't happen to us? Are you going through the motions, striving to determine truth and walk in truth, but forgotten why? I was gonna pull out a letter, but I'll spare you all. Like I have these, Amy and I have memory boxes. Anyone have those memory boxes when we were first dating? Shush! We used to write each other a lot of letters. She was in America, I was in Canada. I've never written that much in my life, but it wasn't work. And we had these big poster board things and we'd cut stuff out of magazines. And I love you. Well, it was so fresh and real. I would have driven ten hours. It would have been ten minutes to see her. It didn't matter. But as life carries on, in human relationships, we do what's right. We know what's right. We fight for what's right, but we lose the love. And we sat on stools here saying a couple weeks ago, you gotta work at it. Didn't we say that? You gotta work at it. And then, Amy, the bigger point, we gotta work on our relationship with God. One of the ways you work to not lose your first love is to continually read and understand how Christ feels about you. You ever have days where you don't feel loved, where you feel rejected? You have to read through the power of the Holy Spirit again these words to make it a reality in the heavenly places where you see who you are. You have to come back again and again to the truth so you don't drift away, so your motivation is just something other than simply knowing God's. You know, people say, you're such, you know what? Why don't you get deeper, Dan? You're preaching so simple. This is about as deep as you can get. You want to know deep theology? If you bypass this, you will lose all theology. If you don't know the goodness of God towards you, you're going to be derailed, period, in your theology. If you don't see the goodness of God and the love of God for you in the midst of crappy situations, you're going to go downhill and you'll have nothing to hang on to. And I am passionate about teaching what is true. There is no greater depth than the love and the blessings of God for you in Christ. It truly will change your life. Amen? This will not come back void. Read it again and again this week. Remind yourself. Put it on autoplay on your phone. Let it come. And trust it. And all those behavior things will start to change when you know Who God is and what He's done for you. Amen? So thank you, Jesus, this morning. I don't want to go any further. Maybe you haven't trusted in Jesus. You might say, I want these blessings. I want to know these things. How do I know if I'm chosen? Pastor Dan, how do I know I'm chosen? Maybe God didn't choose me. I got a little secret for you here today. Just choose Him and you'll know that you're chosen. Just simply choose and receive Him. No matter where you are in life or things are difficult or things are good. Do you want to live in peace and joy? Even though life is, oh man. Receive the love of God by accepting Jesus Christ. We all are sinners. We can't do it. We failed. We failed. It's so hard. We can't meet the standard. And God knew that. And He loved us. And He sent Jesus to die on the cross. That we would be released from that law and that standard. That He paid the price that he was perfect and we are released and we are free and he desires that any anyone here this whole town would live in this truth that they would know the blessings of christ that they would receive them by trusting and choosing him is that you this morning well how do i how do i receive it's it's something you just believe and say god I want to believe. I believe. I want to trust you. Forgive me. I want to turn from my work my way and accept what you've done, the work of the cross. The Word of God says if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus came, died, and rose again, you will be saved. Is that you? Then look at your neighbor. Maybe you've been in church a long time. Just say to him, God, I believe you are chosen. Maybe you've fallen away. Maybe like the book of Revelation, you need to be reminded today, go back to your first love. Go back to Jesus. Go back to the love of God. Go back to in Him. And remind yourself each day and don't get caught up in the distraction of the rejection and the not good enough. And understand the riches of His grace, the good pleasure of His will. Let that flow over you this morning. Let this be a date that you see His love for you, that it brings you back. Revelation said, repent turn from the direction you're going and come back to the love of God. Live in these heavenly places by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bypass the struggle on earth by understanding that you are sitting with Christ with all authority and power in the heavenly places. Amen. And we're going to celebrate all these blessings in communion. How we do this at Northgate is we're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to thank the Lord. The elements are in the back. You get them. You bring them to your seat. They represent the body and blood of Christ. And what we're saying is, I am reminded, Jesus, of what you've done. I believe, Jesus, in what you've done. And we let these thoughts just take over as we do it together together. Oh, such a beautiful part. If you need prayer for anything, if you're out of juice, you need to repent. It doesn't matter. If you need physical prayer, if you just need life prayer, there'll be people at the back more than happy to pray for you during communion and after. Let's worship Jesus together. thanks for listening. If you want any information about our church, check us out at northgateministry.com. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, you can listen at YouTube at Northgate Ministry.